Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott. Hello and welcome to the Veloce Podcast. So we're on episode 31 and it's Rich and Kat again. (laughs) No surprise there. It'll be a surprise one day, we'll bring somebody else in. (laughs) Yeah, well we've actually got a lot of guests coming up, but we're trying to save them, let's say, for kind of more winter um because uh i mean we'll do the odd one before that point but um of course the motorsport season's going to slow down it you know uh, as we know with any car that's just happened form one goes a bit further doesn't it than most yeah. but a lot Nearly of things christmas they go to don't i they? know but it will start slowing down more and more so uh yeah we've got some really exciting guests lined up so yeah, we'll gradually announce those as we go. But what have we been up to this week then? Well, well last week really. Last week now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so, one thing, apologies that it hasn't been at the weekend um, like we normally do, like the Friday or the weekend. Uh, we, was at, we were actually away working, weren't we? So yes. hence why we had to do it today. Yes, so, so we did our normal sort of stuff at the Experience Centre at Porsche. Um, but we also took one of our clients on his first track day, didn't we? Yeah, so we did the day good. with him at Millbrook, didn't we, a few weeks ago? Yeah. Sort of laid some foundations and, and got a bit of technique um, for him to think about. And then he wanted to do a track day, so we, yeah, we, we got, did our first track day. I think he was quite surprised because he did um, Millbrook thinking, I just want to learn a bit more about the car. It's the first time I've had one of these, you know, powerful rear-wheel drive. Being all very sensible and logical with that. So, of course, Millbrook's brilliant for... Just trying out lots of different areas, you know, because yeah. it's a proving ground, isn't it? Stuff. So yeah. Yeah. you can do all things, things from dynamics to track to road to all sorts of stuff. So really good introduction to the car. So we did all that, but I think he got the bug basically, didn't he? He <laughs> wanted to do a track day and he's already talking about racing now, which is quite <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, I think he was a little bit apprehensive when we first got to Goodwood. I mean, yeah, Goodwood's quite... Intimidating place, and the fact that it, it go back in time when you go to Goodwood, don't you? Yeah, it's, um, it's one of my favorite circuits. I love Goodwood, yeah. Um, and I think it, it was a nice high end um track day, which was great. But of course, there's all these beautiful cars there, and lots of people that also race, so racing suits and boots and all that kind of stuff. And I think, uh, yeah, initially he thought, Whoa, what am I got myself into? <laughs> but after the first, you know, outing with you, Rich, he was, he he was, was on fine, his way, yeah. wasn't he? He so, was, yeah, yeah. So we shared it, didn't we? So you did the morning, I did the afternoon. Yeah. Um, we don't always do that. Sometimes we have clients together and do one each, but um, we found it really works actually quite well, doesn't it? it sharing does. it. Yeah, it's quite a nice um, way of doing it, really. If, if I mean, he was can. knackered by the end, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. <laughs> That's it. Um, but it's it's just because we we word things slightly differently. Obviously, I just picked off picked up from where Rich left off, but um, we have different slightly different styles, and I think that that actually can help people, can't it? Yeah, it can, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so you ended up doing most of the wet bit and I yeah. ended up doing the dry <laughs> bit, really, which yes. wasn't intentional, but that's just yeah. how it worked well, out. Be- because he was in a 992 Porsche, it's, they've now got wet mode on them, which is a yeah. fabulous setting because it, it doesn't is. slow the car down at all. And you don't know it's doing any more. Mm. It's just keeping you that little bit safer when it's when it's slippery. So yeah, we ran in wet mode most of the morning and it was it was perfect, really. Yeah, especially Goodwood in the wet because it's what... Is it the second fastest track in the UK? Okay. It and must be after Thruxton, yeah. Because it's not a difficult track; it just isn't very forgiving. So if you go there and you're pushing quite hard, there's no margin for error, really. Absolutely. But it's actually a good track to start with because it's not particularly difficult. Yeah, is it's it? not too long. Um, you have a mixture technical. of corners, but a lot of them are quite high speed. Um, so it's more, it's great sort of starting point. The way Goodwood run it, so they only allow about seven cars out at a time. Uh, and you do 15 minute sessions which doesn't sound very long um, but actually 15 minutes when somebody's learning is perfect it because is, yeah. then you can have a, a, a break have a chat go through things let the car cool down and start again so um, it means you you don't have too many cars around you you can find your own space and I love that because there are many track days um, especially you go to places like Silverstone where you could have like a hundred cars out oh, together yeah. and you know they're, out, they're all out at the same time exactly they? and when somebody's learning that's very intimidating because you've got different experience levels some people are super respectful others will get a bit closer more like you would experience on a general you know track um, test day sorry yeah yeah. um yeah so this is i really do recommend goodwood for the way it's run for anybody who's starting out so even though you don't have extra runoff and that kind of thing um i guess really when you're learning 
you don't need to push to that point anyway, no, you do don't, you? Because no, no, um, no. it's more about the techniques and getting in a rhythm and, and really just getting those foundations in place first, mm. isn't it? Before you really get to that point of truly pushing, let's say. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was, that, was, that was good fun, wasn't it? It was, enjoyed yeah, it was that. a good day, that was. Um, so yeah, we've done that, done, done Porsche as well um, at the Experience Centre. Also, I've been working on the um, Veloci Academy. Um, yeah. So tomorrow we've got um, a meeting with the mind coach and another performance fitness and uh, nutritionist. Um, so, because of course there is a difference between training boys and girls. So um, hopefully we're gonna have two trainers on the program. Um, one that will specialize in the guys and then the, the one that will specialize in the girls. So, because um, of course there are more women getting into it now. Uh, or girls um, so we want to make sure we utilize that as well uh, and we've got the right preparation for, for both sexes so yes so yeah lots going on there too which is quite exciting yeah um, I can talk to the mind coach wherever I just find it fascinating <laughs> um, you know because it's uh, psychology of, of, of any sport is is a big deal um, yeah and she understands it very intimately so mm. it's it's really fascinating, fascinating. yeah yeah um, but yeah so we'll move on to road cars yes so a bit different this this week so we're not really talking about any particular cars we, we're going to touch on you one of the minute but it's more some sort of concepts and stuff we've been yeah we've well been just where the industry is going yes isn't it? Um, yes there's a lot of talk by 2025 i mean i read something the other day i don't know how true this is but the 718s porsches all going um to electric by 2025 uh, which kind of surprised me um but then apparently Porsche have said they will never make the 911 fully electric it would be a hybrid but they don't want to make it fully electric and they're going to separate the 718 how true this is we will find out well, yeah i think things could change but the, the car industry is fascinating because they look so far ahead of themselves yeah. all the time you know and you find stuff they were working on 10 years ago coming out now you know so so who knows I mean, Porsche, have, as we've spoke about a couple of weeks ago, have spent, have gone in two different directions. They've mm. pumped a load of money into a, into um, a company that make um, powertrains, electric powertrains, but yeah. they've also pumped a load of money into synthetic fuels. So absolutely interesting to see. But Audi are very much that what they're looking at is the concept of the of fully self-driving cars, yeah, really high-end, very luxury self-driving cars yeah so they're I kind of focusing on a little bit they want to make it um they were sort of explaining it a bit like um being a first class you know um when you go on a trip in an airplane they're having yeah. that kind of really luxury experience let's say or a private jet something like that so whether you get a steward um, sits in the back or something. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and they of course are very conscious of it being eco-friendly so um, so yeah, it's quite interesting to see where they want to take things and they want to sort of um, bridge that gap between themselves and people like Bentley who've had huge success and grown yes. a lot even in the last year, haven't they? Yes, yeah, so of course Bentley will take some of the technology, won't they? But, yeah. but they'll, but the, the Volkswagen have got to be a little bit careful how they pitch it because yeah. Obviously, Bentley, because Bentley's now, you know, the factory apparently there's a huge waiting list now if you want a Bentley. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> crew, the factory crew's tiny compared with, you know, Volkswagen's factory. Yeah. Um, but so they've got to be careful that they don't overlap too much of what Audi well, are doing, I, think I guess. What, what they're trying to do is the one thing for the Audi, I think they're aiming to keep that um, more cost effective, let's say, um, because an average Bentley sells for about 200,000. Um, which includes about twenty-eight thousands worth of uh, extras yeah, extra bits of wood and leather, yeah. <laughs> to personalise how yeah. you want. Yeah. Um, so I think what I only want to do is go for the luxury market, but more cost-effective. So like the next level down, but make it as luxurious as possible yeah. with that budget, let's say. But they also want to make it eco-friendly, so they're going to use um, in the future no leather at all so it's going to be recycled materials isn't it yes. um instead uh, so really moving away from what we've known for many many years for luxury mm. uh, and using a lot of different materials that i'm sure will be just as lovely but more effective when it comes to well, being eco-friendly yes. and the, the image of it as well i mean for me i've always thought i've always seen it found it a little bit odd that we always have leather seats in cars because mm. if you get really good fabric ones i think they're actually better a lot of the time well, yeah because quite often i mean i love leather but 
but the, the the thing with it is it's too cold in winter yeah <laughs> and it's too hot in summer and i know okay a lot of these luxury brands you've got heated seats and cooling seats to counteract that but that's a lot of effort yeah it is yeah <laughs> you know because you've got a leather seat basically i think it's a touch point leather on the steering wheels nice yeah but i don't know really that you need it on the seats you but know. i think we we have the resources now to create things in a classy way without using leather yeah. and use all sorts of materials that we've not used before so so it's a real game changer so they've called it the grand sphere haven't they um, yes which is uh, apparently going to replace the the a8 eventually which i think they've always struggled to sell a bit haven't they from re yeah. reading what they were saying so i think that's probably also what they're looking at is that this is going to be successful where the ways the a8 never has been really Absolutely. even though the a8 is a great car yeah but I think it's because it, there are so many different versions mm. of Audis, um, and I think you can they trip over each other a little yeah, bit, they don't do, they? Yeah. A bit like the yeah. BMWs and things. And I think that's why they want to do this, right? Well, actually, let's separate that and make this really luxurious in a very different way, and and pitch it closer towards a Bentley. Yes, um, which I and think I guess is what they're you, aiming for. Yes, and I guess if you're in that sector where you want a big luxury car, you know. People look at S class, I guess, as much as anything exactly, else. It's, exactly. You know. So they're, they're aiming for what twenty twenty five. Um With this car, um, they call it level four autonomy. So um, basically, a driverless car, but you can drive it yourself. Um, and there's going to be all sorts of technology. Porsche have merged in with this, with rear axle steer and they'll make it uh, handle. The other things. <laughs> yeah. So because the aim is to keep it very low center of gravity, it's going to be long but low. Mm -hmm. um so uh you get the the handling like a short wheelbase but you get the the touring of a long wheelbase um so lots of clever technology there as well and i think it looks brilliant if it, if it actually looks like that yeah because of course sometimes with concept cars but they said this is more far more than a concept car and it's, it's very very close, close. To coming to yeah exactly. yeah so if it carries on down that path i think they could have huge success with this because now that um, things are really changing with what people are buying, so it's now up to 10% of people buying electric cars. Well, that's a massive shift to what it used Big to be. Very quickly um, as well. And very quickly in the last couple of years that's changed. Um, so people are, you know, starting to look at alternatives. Now, okay, we're petrol heads through and through, aren't we really? Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not open to new technologies and you've got to move forwards with things. And I think eventually, People like Porsche, especially, they aim to be really successful with both markets because I think electric is here to stay, but it's not the only solution. And I think no, Porsche are point. very aware of that, yeah. um, which is why they're investing so much in this fully synthetic fuel. And I'm sure eventually, you know, Porsche are always very ahead of the game with this kind of stuff, aren't they? Mm. And others will follow suit. I mean, if you think back to when SUVs started becoming a big thing in sports car brands, and there was a lot of people doubting that and, and then it became the biggest seller and suddenly everybody's Everybody doing it now. Yeah, yeah, so Porsche yeah. are very good at leading that kind of stuff. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But that leads us on to sort of British Volt, doesn't it? Yeah, which is an interesting thing. So so the funny thing when you make a battery for an electric car is the amount of carbon you use, carbon, its carbon footprint is horrific. Um, yeah, so it's far more than you think. Yeah, <laughs> so... so um, Interesting, this company called British Vault, which was set up by a guy who's and he's, in a, he's from he's an Arab, isn't he? That set yeah. it up, but they've built this massive factory up in the northeast in Blythe, in Northumberland. Mm. Um, and they've got the guy who was basically he was head of Ford UK, but he's Ford's engine guru, yeah. and they've got him to look yeah. after it. Um, quite an amazing guy, really interesting bloke. Yeah, his name's um, great Graham Hoare. Graham Hoare, yeah, yeah. And he was one of the people that that he, you know he set from a standing start built 12,000 ventilators during the pandemic, you know. Yeah, and I think he says himself, like like most people, it changed his outlook on things going forward to the pandemic. And I think yeah. he's done that for so many people. Um, and he, he's very much thought, you know what, actually, we're going we're gonna to transform the battery, aren't we, yes. for, for, this, for this industry. Yeah, because his point is that when you put an electric car on the road, at that point, its carbon footprint isn't great. But of course, over the life of the car, in theory, that footprint reduces. Yeah. Um, you can argue about, you know, you've already done a shift the problem somewhere else, but that's another story for another day. Yeah. So his plan is to try and reduce the carbon footprint of making it in the first place. So Absolutely. hence why it's in Northumberland, because you've got wind power, you've got hydropower coming across from Denmark. Yeah. You know, so he's trying to make that and the supply chain as green as he can make it. 
Absolutely. So then it is a far more green solution because as it stands, and it was always going to be a, a process, wasn't it? It's never going to be a quick fix. Here's batteries and you know what, this is super green straight away and there's no hurdles to overcome. It's not been like that at all. It, no. it, you know, it's green when it's in a city driving around, but the, the build up to that point and the car itself, isn't that green so no. so that's really what he wants to change that's kind of where and, he's coming from and really. exactly and i think if he can achieve that then we're going to see that pretty much then in every electric car going forwards aren't we yes yeah. um so it'll be interesting to see um against musk i suppose with what he's doing yeah because he's having um, problems with this factory in germany because he can't get it through legislation it's not clean enough yeah exactly you well that does, what well, does this that factory tell already him? is you know absolutely so they're really ahead of the game here so um I, you know i can't believe we're you know massive car enthusiasts and, and we're talking here about batteries but but you've got to embrace the future as well and 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 it has to keep evolving and, and moving forwards and and i hope that doesn't mean goodbye combustion engines i and i honestly don't think it will i just think we're going to have a bit like in the past where we've had petrol and diesel i think we're going to have different alternatives solutions for different people depending hmm. on what you want what environment you're in that kind of thing yeah, exactly. um yeah. but no so i thought I, I actually would be so much more on board with electric if they can make that that process much greener because that's always been my reservation with it really is and, well I think, how green is it really yes and things like you were saying before then if 718 is going to go all electric and it doesn't need to do 060 in for half a second yeah you know if it does not 60 in six seconds but it's great to drive yeah you know that that's because at the moment the electric car goes really fast and that's it so once you start to build electric cars that are great to drive as well they don't need to be as you know the well, fastest things on the planet but that's what he says isn't it about the that's the other problem with with sports cars is with electric is the the weight of the batteries and that's something else he wants to overcome so you can have performance um not just in a straight line but actually have true handling mm. i mean so far people like porsche they've just put the batteries as low as they can to lower the center of gravity so you don't notice the weight because something like a taycan is two tons i mean that's a huge amount of weight really mm. and in fairness it doesn't feel like a two-ton car they're no, very no, clever it doesn't. No, no. but it's it's there's a lot of technology to overcome that and obviously if we can simplify the process have the batteries smaller have the batteries cleaner all that kind of stuff and actually, we can have light, agile cars like we're used to, um, but then be green at the same time. So, mm. so yeah, so there's a lot of progress there. So it'll be interesting. A lot of targets seem to be with most of the manufacturers 2025. And we'll start really seeing yeah. this. So then we'll see what happens. Um, but obviously, that's a little way away. And so let's hope with the fully synthetic fuel, we know a bit more about that by that time as well. So yeah, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. So on to something that is a bit different then, is the, yeah, the Golf R Estate, which just, you wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so only, only briefly, really, because we've been a bit disappointed with the new Golf that you can't get a three-door. And to yeah. me, the four-door... Or a manual. Or, or a five-door, <laughs> yeah. Because well, the five-door, I always think it doesn't work. It doesn't. It looks like there's too many doors on it, and it always has looked that way for me, the Golf. Mm. Um, where the Estate, obviously, is designed to have five doors, so it just looks a lot better. So I think of the, of the current golfs the estate the golf R estate would be one that i'd be if it was in the market yeah be 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 looking to have you know i think it suits better being a dsg it suits the five door better yeah it's got all the same running gear it's got the trick front end on it and the trick yeah. foil drive system drift mode <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. that stuff whether you need that i don't know yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting that they've done this because bmw also leaked this week the new m3 touring they so. have yeah yeah so so you, what's that look like? Because I've not seen it. Well, this looks like a three series touring. It's just got the big pipes and a massive engine in it, you know. Yeah. So, so a much better version. Though. Yes. <laughs> so if you need to move your Labrador around really quickly, you know, you've got more. Yeah, more I'm sure there, the so. Labrador would really appreciate that somehow. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So if we move on to driving, then um, we thought we'd talk a little bit about learning a new track because obviously taking out somebody for their first ever track day yeah. recently, um, it just it yeah brings it home that. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that are merging into it um, so we thought we'd go into that a little bit yeah so I thought it's a kind of process that we run through with people isn't it where either they're new to track they're driving full stop or whether it's a new track to them yeah um, and, and of course you've got the option to to start before you go to the track of getting onto a simulator and doing what we're doing we're going to run through now but doing absolutely. it on a sim absolutely you go yeah, to the so, track. so we'd always say ideally depending how seriously you're taking it of course how much you want to spend and how much time you've got there's always limitations with these things but in an ideal world these days with the technology of racing simulators we'd strongly recommend 
if you especially if you are seriously trying to race um, and progress quickly um, then racing simulators are brilliant for that yeah. um you know and, and i say racing simulators you can buy your own sim now but you don't have to necessarily if you don't want to invest in that and um, there are lots of people um including us <laughs> with speedworks um that are running these great sims and you can go and get a lot of coaching on a sim and really make the foundations there before you even get to the track yes um, but of course not everybody has the luxury or time or money, let's say, to invest in No, and they element, do tend to sit so. around a lot if you've got a sim. So yeah. going to, to a sim company makes a lot of sense because you've Absolutely. not got we've, sat there Well, we've got a, a great simulator at home as well, but um, admittedly, we use it a lot for work, um, but it, it doesn't get the use it probably deserves with us personally, does no, it? No, no. Um, but I think that's because, well, we're always at track anyway, aren't we? And then we got the luxury of the Speedworks one now, yeah. which is just just another level. It's so much more immersive. That's the, that's what I love about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so so, so. the new track then. So we always start with a map, don't we? Yeah. Because the first thing you've got to do when you look at a track map is work out. You spend more time going in a straight line than you do anything else. So where are the longest straights? Finding that out first, yeah. because what you're going to look at then is which are the key corners that then lead onto those straights. Exactly, and that that that's a really good point, isn't it? That any corner before a long straight is a key corner. Key corner. So I often, when coaching people, get people to circle those corners. So what are the priority corners out of the entire track? So just firstly, you can really focus on those can't you uh, knowing those are the, the major priority yes so you've got your key corners then then you're looking at um where there's any complexes of corners so you mm -hmm. can have a little look at where um, the important bits there but also with the, when you've looked at the straights what happens at the end of the straight is there another key corner is it leading to a complex yeah. um, so you can start to in your mind before you actually drive the car start to work out where the priority bits are exactly. before you set off onto the and of course eventually you want to get to a point where everything's flowing brilliantly but to start with it's easier to break it down into sections so it's less overwhelming um, and of course I, I think it's probably worth explaining really why um, the, the straights the corners before a straight are so well the vital. most yes and the most important part of pretty much every corner is the exit mm. uh, if you've got a complex which is why you need to look at that so in other words you've got a corner at least another corner it's the exit of the complex that's the important yeah. bit. So setting yourself up to get a good exit out of any corner is important, but if it's the key corner, i.e. it leads onto a straight, that's going to affect your overall lap time. So so look, starting with that is a, is a good point when you're yeah. sort of planning what you're going to do. Because I often say to people, okay, let's say you break later and you barrel in and you, you save a tenth, but then on the straight by the end you've lost six tenths, then it's not effective. It, whereas what you can gain or save by the end of the straight is massive if you get a good exit. Yeah. Um, and most people when they're learning don't recognise that. They think, well, I need to brake less, carry more speed in, and they're focusing so much on the entries. But then, of course, if you then make the corner twice as long by carrying the speed in and you can't get the, the load off the car, get the car straight and get the power down, by the end of the straight, you're so much slower. Um, so we really try and get people to look at things differently that, you know, ultimately it's all about getting the exits, um, getting, yeah, getting the car straight, getting that power down and focusing the other way around and using your brakes, of course. That's yes. another thing that people, when they're learning, don't always appreciate. Braking can make you faster because it's not just about slowing the car, it's setting the car up for the corner. Um, so yeah, there's lots that we can go into with that, but yeah, sorry, carry on. So, yeah, so then, so then when you first go out to track, um, you've got an idea then of which of the key points are, but then you want to just take your time and have a little look around. So take mm. it slowly, um, because you can look at bits of road then and look at things like where the rubber marks are on the curbs, because quite often you'll see the lines that are taken most of the time because mm. of where the rubber is on the curb. Mm -hmm. So you can start to use that then and start to put that together with with some of your other reference points that you might be looking for, like, you know, yeah. if they've combed it, for example, if it's a track day, you don't get that on test days. Um, you can, they can start to help you piece it together. But also looking for things like marshals posts. So yeah. there's going to be a yellow flag out, which you've just been told about in the driver's briefing. Where's that going to be? Absolutely. So knowing where they are, um, you know, it's all vital information when you're first going out onto the circuit. Yeah, you just really want to be as intimate with the track as quickly as you can. And the problem is if you bomb around, 
you actually don't really get that intimate with the circuit. So as hard as it is, you do have to start slow, whether you're an experienced driver or not. If it's a new track or it's because you're new in general, you need to take your time, take in as much information as you can. And as Rich says, really think about reference points um, because reference points to start with just help you build the general kind of um, flow, doesn't it, mm. of what you're doing. And then... You can then start the course. We've mentioned things in the past with vision, that kind of thing. And then yes. you can start bringing that in. So you're using your reference points, but also using your vision combined and, and building from there. Yes, and you guys are going to start building your speed up then. Absolutely. Um, and a key thing I would say to people is don't follow what other people are doing. Oh, that, that's <laughs> so true. Because you might me. be following Lewis Hamilton, but you might not be. Yeah. You know, and plus, you know, what are they, how's their car set? What are they doing in the car to manipulate the car? You don't know. So don't ever follow what other people are doing. You Absolutely. Know. It, and, and it's so true because you get so many people say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Well, the Who thing knows? is, <laughs> yeah, it's so dependent on their experience level. Firstly, are they doing the right thing? Yeah. But even if they are, is that what you should be doing? Because are you on slicks with their row and bloody blah, or are you on a road car? It, there's so many variations. So fundamentally, you might be doing a similar thing, but the details might alter slightly depending on the vehicle. Um, so you, it's so important to do your own thing. Plus, also, if they make a mistake... And I know I've done this. I did it at Alton Park racing and dicing for third place and went off because I was so focused on the car in front. He made a mistake and I followed him into exactly the same mistake. So it's so easy to get very fixated on people. Yeah. So don't, um, don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always end well, let's say. No. So, yeah. So start concentrating on getting good exits, like we've said, um, especially from the key corners. Build it up slowly. But the main thing is think about what you're doing. So you know, don't 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 just drive around. Try to think and analyze about what you're doing. So think, right, I'm going to try and get a good head. What what line can I use? Where can I get the power on earlier? Think about what you're doing, and, and gradually your speed will start to build up from there. Absolutely. And then when you're not when you're between sessions, get your map out again. Yeah. You know, start right, to go through down. it. Yeah. yeah. So you can debrief yourself. Okay, what am I happy with? What am I not happy with? Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And there's so much you can do making notes and. You can refer back to those and uh, we do it coaching people all the time. We have, what, several maps over a day for each session. Yes. And you might not keep one, one map um, and it might be that the I often get the driver to write things down really and, and, and give examples of what they think they're doing. Um, so then we can see if what they think they're doing and they're actually doing uh, the same thing or not uh, and build from that. But of course, if you if you haven't got a coach with you, you can do a lot of this yourself. Yes. Um, and and you'll be amazed how much faster you'll learn by doing that, um, than just you know banging around for 15, 20 minutes, coming in, having a break, and then doing the same thing. Um, yeah, you get more out of it. It's more rewarding, more fun in the long run because you achieve things so much quicker, mm. don't you? So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I certainly would recommend that. Um, of course, we're bound to say, you know, get a coach <laughs> yeah. and then we can help you all that. But we understand not everybody um, wants to be, you know, not everybody wants to do that or, or have the resources to do that. So there's lots of things you can do yourself. One thing we haven't mentioned with this as well is, is actually watching videos on boards and things. That yeah, can yeah. also be yeah. really useful beforehand. Um, just to get a feel for things and what they're doing. Obviously, you have to bear in mind who you're looking at and what car they're in, but it will give you a feel for the circuit, won't it? It will, yeah, yeah. So we've had a bit of an exciting time on motorsport, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of exciting things happened this week, and it, and, it, and it was building up to being a cracking weekend for McLaren. Yeah, so if we talk about the happens, Russian really. Grand Prix, <laughs> uh, now most people obviously are going to know about this now, so... We can talk about it quite openly, yeah, can't we? Yeah, so um, but yeah, well, first of all, typical practice, Bottas the quickest. Yeah. I want to say that because it highlights to me how quick Bottas is, but how he struggles with pressure. And often then um, that's a, a difficult thing for him. That said, admittedly in qualifying, it wasn't really all his own fault, was it? No. because was it, actually his teammates. <laughs> yes. So it was drying, wasn't it, in Q3? Yeah. Um, and Hamilton was pushing and went off, which affected Bottas's lap. Yeah. But what we ended up with was Lando on his first pole. Which was brilliant because after he had his big accident, was it a spa? Spa, yeah. Yeah, and that was in between conditions and him pushing really, really hard. When he first got back in the car, he seemed to 
have lost a little bit of that it's edge. It's taken him a couple of the races, hasn't um, it? To... And now he, he's really back on fire, isn't he? Yes. Which is great to see. So super excited for him, but also was really pleased for Carlos Sainz. I'm a massive Carlos fan, especially since he's moved to Ferrari, because I've always said he's always the under, underdog, really. People don't put much focus on, on Carlos. No. Yeah, he was dominant over Lando, really, last year. He's come in against Leclerc, and bang, he's right there on yeah, him, isn't yeah. he, straight away. And we all know how special Leclerc is. Absolutely. So and I think really they're both incredible. carrying that car, aren't they? That's, oh, absolutely. That's the point, you know. But the most incredible, third place, Russell so in that, a Williams. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the second, second time yeah. Lewis, <laughs> um, he's out-qualified Lewis Hamilton in a Williams. So, so I wonder what Rogers. Lewis will be thinking, because, of course, they're going to be teammates next year. This young hotshot who's bright, who's very intelligent, he'll think a lot about his approach. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Lewis is really, you know, thinking. Well, it's interesting because you could see in the race that the Williams had no pace. Mm. You know, so it was there because of George Russell, the car. Oh, absolutely. And Hamilton absolutely. will know that, you know. And to be honest, because he just sure. plunged back through the field once he once he got once he got pitted. people got past him. He kept yeah. people stuck behind him for a bit. Well, he, he did brilliant at the start. Oh, he did, it was yeah. only really after being pitted, and then it changed. But um, he, he, I mean, he held his ground for a long time oh. in a car that is not that quick, and an no. immediate, and that was in the drive. Yes. Really. So really impressive stuff. As did there. Carlos, because Carlos yeah. led for ages. Yeah. Um, for Lando finally got past him because yeah. I think the McLaren is quicker than the Ferrari. Oh yeah. And, and well, Carlos again, he's carrying the car, which you can see because the clerk started on the back row, um, and was flying really. Yeah. You know, but eventually it all went. Well, it, it, it seems <laughs> to be though with the Ferrari is that it just kills its tyres. Yes. So it seems to be because they wonder if it because they're both so good they're trying to they're out driving the car, but that's working the tyres a lot. So of course they, they they can't do very long on a stint of tyres either of them, and I think that's having a big impact, isn't it? Because the car isn't just isn't quick enough. So hopefully next year for Ferrari, with all these changes, we'll get to see those guys be where they truly deserve to be, honestly. Yeah. Um, which is further up. But yeah, when Lando passed, I mean he really showed his class. Um, you know he was just so dominant, wasn't he? Um, really throughout the race and it was only towards the end that Hamilton was putting a bit of pressure on yeah and um, he was soaking all that up he was concentrating on his exits like yeah. we were talking about before yeah to get a good exit out of the right corners there was nothing Hamilton could do about absolutely. it absolutely and Hamilton admitted himself that um, Lando wasn't making any mistakes and he felt if the conditions stayed as they were he wouldn't have caught him and that would have been that um but unfortunately for lando the rain came in late and it caused absolute chaos it didn't did. it well it was very light at first wasn't it and i think mclaren thought it was going to carry on like that yeah so but, they made the decision to stay out but that's where i think mercedes and red bull showed their experience a lot yes um is when you have to make those very quick decisions and that's where both mercedes and red bull were like right we're doing this Whereas, of course, McLaren were taking too long to, to assess the situation. Plus, they pitted Ricardo too early as well, hadn't they, earlier in the race, yeah. which had released Hamilton. Yeah. So there was a couple of tactical errors for McLaren and, there, and really. And the same, really, with Ferrari. You know, yeah. they, they pitted Carlos at a strange time when, really, he could have done a longer stint. Um, and, of course, and knowing there's there's rain on the cards, it all didn't make that much sense. No. Um so and then I they think, didn't pit Leclerc. Leclerc did the same with Lando. He stayed out and ended up just he just couldn't stop and understeared exactly, into the wall. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a really odd one from McLaren and Ferrari. But I think that is just because obviously they both you know both won championship. They were uh, um, a very experienced teams, but obviously a lot of people change within yeah, those teams, yeah. don't they? They bought Mercedes. Um, <laughs> you know. So I do think it, they showed their lack of experience of leading the race and having to make that quick decision and under vital pressure ultimately mm. whereas mercedes made the right call because to be fair lewis was questioning their call wasn't he but he did what he's told he and went told, in yeah. whereas you notice with lando and mclaren their communication they was lacking bit, yeah a they got a bit, bit flustered didn't they and it was like they both got flustered the team and and the driver you could see lando was under a lot of pressure so but he wasn't really being told any other information so you can see why lando made the decision he did because he's thinking well we've got three laps to go and you're saying this is all it's going to be we why would we come in so you can see it from his perspective of course when you've got your helmet on you you don't have much information um but the team 
had unfortunately misread the rain, hadn't they? Very much so. Yes. And it all just went awfully wrong yeah, for it was them. Just, and it got to the point where it was, un it was unworkable. Yeah. And uh, I actually had a friend of mine asking, wow, do tyres really make that much difference? And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, slicks in the wet, you, you, it's like a skating rink, isn't it? Yes. You really don't have much grip at all. Um, if any, most of the time, you're talking, you know, incredibly powerful, light, rear-wheel drive cars, and you can't drive quick enough to use the aero. You're stuffed, really. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really sad situation. But I was pleased for for Max because I don't think they could have asked for any more. No, you know, ultimately started last. Started last because of you know an engine change, well, a penalty, which I think then they decided, well, let's do the engine change now start last um and yeah to finish second you could see max was over the moon I couldn't with believe that it. Could because, couldn't believe he was standing there don't yeah think. exactly damage limitation or what you know um and lewis couldn't do any more than he did do it by no. winning the race so um so that closes the gap lewis is back in the lead but what is it two three points something not a like lot that. yeah um, and of course hamilton's gonna have to take an end at some point exactly so it, right. this could make it stronger now for red bull going forwards because um, if we remember back to the start, they were saying how strong Red Bull were with their, their pace in a straight line. Well, they're back on a fresh engine now. So mm. we'll we'll have to see, really, um, how, how that goes. But, yeah, uh, away from Formula 1, though, we also had the IndyCar final. We did. We? And one, just before we go into... Oh, OK, bits, sorry. No, no, it's all right. No, before we get to... Because it just suddenly occurred to me that, that Andretti Autosport, which is one of the big teams in America, are looking yeah. to buy one of the F1 teams. So they're, apparently they're talking to Haas and they're talking to... Um, Sauber really yeah there's definitely more That's mergers there. going on because if Not you think with IndyCar we've got McLaren in IndyCar now Zach Brown was at the Indy round wasn't he yeah. at Long Beach um, rather than the, the F1 with Lando and so on and Daniel um, yeah and you can see things are getting closer and closer actually Grosjean has spoken quite openly hasn't he about his experience yeah. in Formula 1 and now coming over to to IndyCar, and he said it. You know, if you haven't really got the same kind of funding, as much as everybody wants to do Formula One, if you get to Formula One, you have to run around at the back. And he was saying about all these different modes and fuel saving and tire saving yeah. and this kind of stuff. And he said it's really opened his eyes, hasn't it? Yeah. Being being an IndyCar, because yeah, it's more how you know all the ranks growing up. You get in and you have to be fast. That's the thing. It's all about being fast and fairly equal equipment. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot more simplified in that fact. Yeah. And and then that's really what IndyCar is about. It's yeah. just being able to go there in fairly equal machinery to everybody else. Of course, there are some teams slightly stronger than others, but it's it's nowhere near the big gaps that is in Formula no. One. Um, and he's, he's in a tiny team, isn't he? And he's a front runner, basically. Yeah. And he's able to push every single lap the duration of the race you know qualifying everything and he's absolutely loving it and so he's advised young people that are aiming for form one if you haven't got the the funds and resources to really get to a top team then really Go consider indycar yeah and i think it's just getting indycar's back to its how it used to be many is, years yeah. ago isn't it, it? Is, yeah. um and I think even Formula One and IndyCar are getting so much closer connections again with not just drivers but with teams mm. as well. So that's all quite exciting. But yeah, if we talk about Long Beach, then. yes, yeah. So basically, it came down to two people, didn't it? The championship, which is Alex Palau and Pato Award. Yeah. And Palau. It's well, I thought there was a third. Well, New Garden had a real yeah. outside chance, but I think Palau basically had to not finish and New Garden oh, okay. had to win the race. So, yeah. Um, which he tried to do and he, you know, he put it on pole and stuff. But yeah. the interesting thing has been the dynamic, and Paul Tracy was talking about this how you've got Alex Palau, who is, he's like Carlos Sainz, but he's Spanish, you say yeah. he's Carlos Sainz. Very, And he's very a cool chill. customer, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. really like nothing really gets out of Where Pato Award is this emotional firecracker and he's, yeah. you know, wound as tight as a drum all the time and, yeah you know well actually and he drives that way spectacular to watch yeah alex blau's only 24 um but he he said what happens he had a, they, he was racing in the super former in japan yes so he's um, never really had that much money so he's no. done all kinds of different things and he's always been at the front so like he did yeah. gp3 he was a front runner in gp3 yeah. he's done a couple of formula 2 races he's he led those yeah but never had any money so he went over to super formula in japan which is like formula 2 or indycar but japanese mm. And um, he, the title came down to the last round, and he had to put it on pole. He had to win the race. He had to set the fastest lap. Yeah. And he was on pole with the fastest lap, and the engine broke. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it kind of made him think. Do you know what? I've done what I can do. Yeah. You know, there's nothing so else. So you have I can to have that approach. And he said that coming into this, that 
I will give it everything I've got, um, but there's no point worrying about what if this happens or that happens. You know, so many things are out of your control. All you can focus on is what you can achieve and, and be at peace with that. Um, so if something goes wrong, you have to be at peace with that's out of your control. Yes. Um, you can only do your bit. Um, and, and he just seems so mature and so cool and calculated for for such a young lad, really, who's had to do so many different things to, to get to IndyCar. Um, but yeah, he won it, didn't he? So he, did. he won the championship, which is brilliant to see. So the first Spanish driver to win IndyCar, isn't it? Yeah. And which he had to great. finish in the top 11, which which he's not in a Mercedes or a Red Bull. You know, he, yeah. he, said, he said going in, yeah, that's harder to do. And a couple of times he was down in 14th place, but didn't panic. And yeah. he finished about fifth in the end. Yeah, and just kept, kept pushing. And like you say, it's much harder to do in this because you get a lot of yellows and things that can affect your positioning a lot more so than than formula one yeah um but it's the, the tracks that are overall more technical and much tighter so of course you know being a, a street circuit like this um it, you know it's, it's so tight and not forgiving it doesn't take much to touch the wall and no, you're, you're out no. Yeah, Long and, Beach. And he's says so Pato Award again. His Pato's only twenty one. Yeah. Um, and he's going to do the young driver test for McLaren because Zach said if he won a race, he'll he'll let him do the test. Yeah. But he nearly won the championship. Never mind the race. Yeah. Um. And of course, typical thing. Um. So he, Palau was behind him. So mm. he got a better start the day Ward than Palau. Um. And Ed Jones came steaming in and clouted him up the back. Yeah. Spun him round, which eventually meant that the gearbox failed. And um, Zach was quite outspoken wasn't he so it was a very amateurish uh move and mistake to make as was award to be fair i mean Oward wasn't unfair with his comments no. he just said this isn't the first time he's hit me this year you know fighting for the championship here you know basically could have done without that ultimately yeah. and at that level you'd like to think there'd be a bit more respect for one another not that jones had done it intentionally no, it was, just wasn't yeah. really thinking and was too focused on what he was doing yeah um uh, and unfortunately it was only a tap but enough to send o'ward round and put a shock through the gearbox exactly so o'ward carried on but then it had a failure right. later on and yeah. you know so i think he was quite frustrated by that and like it's a very different character to palau um so yeah i think he'll be carrying that on his shoulders for a bit but he needs to try and let that go now and move forward he's going to get a test with the f1 mclaren team because of course he races for the mclaren indycar team um and he was promised that and he's absolutely achieved that and zach brown knows how good he is and i i hope we get to see more of this drivers you know testing from indycar into form one well, and vice versa you well know, that's i mean I it's really interesting because callum eilott who finished second uh, in the F2. Yeah. Um, there was no room for him in the no got He's over there now. Yeah. You've got, um, um, who's the other? Lungard. Christian yeah. Lungard's gone over there. Yeah. Zach Brown's putting the third car on and putting Stock Van Dorn in it. You know, yeah. so he's getting bigger and better all the oh, time. Absolutely. You know? And I think we are going to see quite close links now uh, between both, which will be great for up and coming drivers, I think, because there's going to be more options especially for the people that aren't as well funded like we've just spoken about with Alex Palau um, where he's had to do all sorts of things to get to where he has because um, he hasn't really had the finances to stick at one thing and I think this is the, the thing that hopefully youngsters will realise unless you get really big big backers then perhaps look at this because you could have such an amazing career well, and earn incredible absolutely. money um, and there's uh, a kid in it just Sorry. a great time. There's a kid called Oliver Askew who's got there on scholarships. Yeah, how cool is that? You, know. you absolutely deserve it. You know, none of this, oh, well, you've kind of really paid to get there. Um, you know, he's got there through merit. Uh, yeah. And that's how I wish it could be for Formula One. But it just, some, some of them are there on merit. But overall, now we're seeing more and more of a shift, aren't we? That, mm. you know, you've got to have a huge amount of money and before an even academy will look at you um and even then how much support do you get uh yeah so you, there's a huge amount of financial funding required all the way and even going into form one these days so mm. um yeah it's much much harder uh but yeah it was great it's great to see it was a great race we should mention as well colton herter won the race yes he's and really again, he's shining. Isn't he? yeah <laughs> he's getting stronger and stronger actually and I'm surprised there hasn't been a call for him to go over to Absolutely. Formula One because he's 
he's really quite special. He is, he, yeah. His pace is just unbelievable. He's, yeah, brilliant. Um, and he works with his dad. His dad's his yeah. engineer. Because his dad obviously was a... So he's, his dad won five IndyCar races. Carlton's, yeah. Carlton's now won six. Yeah, yeah so, so he's outdone him now. But. <laughs> but he is better than his dad, and his dad will be the first person to say that. Yeah, he know? has as well. And I think he just gets to take great joy out of being able to work with his son and see what his son can truly yeah. do. And he just seems like he's got... Uh, Colton Hurt has just this amazing raw pace. Some people are real naturals, and you can just see that with him. Yeah. The way he makes the car move around, and I mean seriously move around, which he's a single right seater, on the limit all the time. Yeah, yeah. A single seater is hard to do with a load of aero, and he he does it, you know, lap after lap, and you think, oh, he made a mistake there. No, he's done it again. Like he's really right on yeah, the edge, he is, isn't he, yeah, all yeah, the time? He's good. He's spectacular. So if anybody doesn't watch IndyCar, no, I say this each time, but honestly, give it a go. It's on Sky F1. Um, it's definitely worth a watch because it will remind you more of old school Formula One. You can appreciate um, what the driver's doing just that little bit more because they don't have the aero that they do in Formula One. So when you see a driver on a ragged edge, you really get to see it. Um, and of course, it and just makes you smile. And it's quick to be on the ragged edge as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ab that's absolutely. the difference. And you never know who's going to win. So you do have that element of excitement. That said, though, Formula One this year, despite what people say, has been one of the better years for Formula One, hasn't it? Because I think we're it's getting... not in a bad place, F1, at the moment. Yeah. I don't like the cars, but no. I think as a, as the, the racing's as good as it's ever been. Yeah, because it's we're getting a lot more of a mix and, and yeah. chase for the title. And we're getting people like McLaren and Ferrari and others getting closer, which is what you what you want, really. You don't ever want one team to be super dominant. No. And, you know, so hopefully that's going to carry on. And next year we're going to get big changes anyway. So who knows? Mercedes might not even be that quick next year. We no, don't know, who do knows? we? So who knows? Um, we'll have to see. So, yeah, on to the interactive question then. Yes. So so what I've put is, following the release of the Schumacher, Schumacher documentary, who would you like to see as the subject of a similar documentary? Um, well, mine would be Damon Hill, <laughs> <laughs> but I know Damon Hill Cobra. had a, a, well, I know Damon had uh, his 1996 championship winning year all documented and that came out. Um, but I'd love to see right from the start uh, of him as a young lad with his dad to then how he got to, to his position in Formula One because he actually didn't follow his dad's footsteps to start with. He went to bikes and was a bit anti going that direction. Um, and he didn't have and, any money. And he didn't have any money, absolutely. And then and then progressed as he did against some of the greats and having sort of to take over, you know, from people like Senna uh, and things. Um, you know, there's a lot he's had to do. And, and to where he is now, I'd absolutely love that because in his book he says about how he struggled with leaving Formula One and, and and I think most sports people do when they stop and they retire because it's their world for such a long time is what do you do now um, and I just think it would be a really fascinating thing I but, agree. but um, I, I think Dame is a very fascinating uh, individual anyway if you read his book um, it, I mean I've always been a fan of him anyway but you really get to see what an interesting bloke he is on and off the track. Yeah his book Watching the Wheels which is a John Lennon song isn't it I think. Yeah. Um, is brilliant because it's yeah. not really a motor racing book that's it's a thing. fabulous book he's just it's probably one so of the best sports in, autobiographies you'll yeah, read he's just so interesting so i think if you could have a documentary on him go up through the ranks and then have a feature of him now i think that would be really really interesting because he got to obviously do some really close battles with you know uh schumacher um but obviously he had the greats of senna and all sorts around him so you know i think um yeah it'd be great to see cool what about you? Um, probably for me, Gilles Villeneuve. I don't yeah. think there's ever been... I think there was, there was a thing called Formula there, Villeneuve or something. There but was it's, definitely, it's in French, I think. There was a thing where... Um, was it not his daughter talking about it? No, that was Ronnie Peterson. Uh, yeah, super sweet, yeah. yeah. Um, so Never mind him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the thing with Gilles was he, he came from absolutely nothing. You know, he lived in a caravan. And, and he raced um, because he lived in Canada. He, he raced um, skidoos mm. and he was brilliant at racing skidoos. But he used to have to leave his wife with a blowtorch so she could like unfold the pipes in the caravan. They had nothing, you know. Yeah. And he scraped money together. And when what happened to him was he there was used to be a Formula Atlantic race at a place called Three Rivers, and or Trois Rivières. And um, a lot of the Formula One drivers used to go over. And James Hunt went in the year he won the World Championship. James Hunt went and did it. Yeah. Um, 
and of course got blown away by this kid and thought, Christ, he's good. So he went back to McLaren and said, you need to sign him. Yeah. And that's how he ended up in F1. But he came from absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, uh, I'd love was, to... You know, he's a legend. Yeah. So, yeah. I would love to uh, see a documentary on him because I, I actually don't know that much about him. No. Obviously, when I was watching it with Jacques... Um, I, I would yeah, love, the, which pretend, is, the pretend Villeneuve. Is, is, is Jack's a bit different. I mean, he's the champion. He's 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 succeeded. More but, successful than his dad, but, um, but not a legend like no, his dad. You know, no. His dad's one of the pantheon of yeah. You know. Yeah. So it'd be great to see that. So yeah, do let us know. So with the interactive questions. So who would you like to see a documentary on? Um, you know, similar to what we've seen with the Schumacher documentary. And also, you can let us know your thoughts on that as well. What do you think of the Schumacher documentary as well? Um, yeah, uh, I found though, yeah. it really, really interesting because that's sort of all the year I started really watching Formula One. So it certainly takes me back a bit um, to being a child and sitting there watching these races. And you can see how much the sport's changed a lot over the years when yeah. you go back to that. But yeah, definitely get in touch and let us know. It's always nice to hear from you. So we'd love to hear your yeah your answers as well. So next week, which is now really this week, this week yeah yeah <laughs> is um we're going well we're off to Snetterton aren't we? Yeah, another um, long journey. <laughs> so Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, we've got Sarah's final championship race, and um, so we're coaching her with that. And what's great is she started her first race at Snetterton, so it'll be really nice to see the progression. Obviously, we don't know what the weather's doing. I mean, it's raining outside at the moment. Um, it might be a wet race, who knows? Um, but yeah, really looking forward to that. And then really around that, we're just doing a lot of stuff with um, Veloci in general, aren't we? With yeah, our tours, yeah, yeah. the academy also speedworks because we're really building um a special sort of program similar to the people that have heard of Zone, i suppose um that kind of thing but of the north <laughs> um of, of racer race simulator training coaching all that kind of stuff so um and, and mind coaching as well so lots um that we're looking at there um yeah and then next week uh we'll have all sorts to talk about again won't we cars motorsport yeah, same, driving same, same stuff. um yeah. usual usual stuff um and of course we will start announcing some of these guests so we're hoping next week we're going to have a few announcements in place um so yeah fingers crossed on that one it's just getting the dates in so you know when they'll actually be live so you can you can have a listen or watch as well so uh if you haven't already do try and um listen to the richard atwood interview or watch it or perry mccarthy and so on there's quite a few on there um, guests that have been on already so yeah if you haven't have have a have a watch or a listen and see what you think and uh, i think that's it that's pretty much it yeah for this week all right guys and girls thanks for listening and watching and uh, we'll be with you next week see you next bye. week bye Thank you for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat and Pete and Richard Bott. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode of the Veloce Podcast.